1: Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So, what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with Audio Interview Series presented by WFPK Independent Louisville, Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network. Whether you're listening on YouTube or one of the uh, podcast channels like iTunes or Podchaser, uh, please do give us uh, a rating or review while you're over there. I'm Kyle Meredith, and today my guest is Johnny Marr. He is back with his third solo record, Call the Comets. We talk about its relation to today's politics as well as his early 80s life during the Thatcher and Reagan administrations. There's also some conversation on some of the collaborations he's done over the years with The The, uh, with Modest Mouse, with Hans Zimmer and of course with the Smiths, and we get an update on will there be more of those box sets like last year's anniversary of The Queen is Dead. It's Kyle Meredith with Johnny Marr. Hey,
2: Kyle. It's Johnny Marr
1: here. Hey, Johnny Marr. How are you?
2: Yeah, I'm very well. I'm good. How's things,
1: man? I, I am. I'm so excited to talk to you. Uh, I've I've loved the solo records. we got the third one coming out called The Comets, and um, and from what I've heard so far, uh, this is a really cool record. And I guess the easiest place to talk about is, is maybe the, the loose narrative that kind of goes throughout this one. As I gather, it's about an alternative society in the, as you put it, not-too-distant future.
2: Yeah, the, the record does have a, a, a theme that I come back to in the songs uh, that aren't the personal ones uh, and that's been really that i found myself kind of uh well because i genuinely like to think about things i pick up on in society uh, and i've done that on the first two records um I, I genuinely like to do that but i found that i didn't want to sing about society as it is now and so i ended up i guess going to my imagination and, and thinking about a sort of in a way an alternative society. Or um, what it would be like, if, you know, if, if we had a different one. It's not too as conceptual as that might sound. I mean, really, what happened um uh, with uh, everything that's been going on over the last couple of years um, politically. I I just didn't want to be brought down by oh, by my work, my record, brought down by singing about the political scene but you know you can't help but sing about the world you live in so i ended up kind of as i say, going into my imagination somewhat and um, singing about what it would be like there's a few songs on there that are kind of what it would be like to be in a different society the opening song rise is pretty much two characters you know man woman lovers you know partners friends me and the audience whoever kind of going all right well we've got this new future to deal with we both up for it and it's very a very sort of stirring song and um once that was in my imagination a few other songs kind of followed that that kind of theme yeah.
1: when you when you look at this you know and, and so we're talking about you know sort of a, some inspirations from brexit from uh, what's happening in the white house uh, certainly other places around the globe too do you see similarities of um of early 80s england with the Thatchers and and everything that was happening there, uh, the Reagans over here?
2: It's uh, a good question, I think. Um, I guess when I first started putting the solo records out, I found that I was being asked in interviews quite a lot about, you know, my feelings about whether musicians these days are less political or they need to should people have more political kind of comment, commentary in their songs. I think the answer to that is, is no, no, I don't think there's a, a responsibility of of the artist, any artist in, in movies or, you know, movies or uh, music or anything really. That, uh, not, it's all you know up to the in- individual. However, you know, I do come from started out in the early '80s when in the UK thatcherism was had a very very big influence on our day to day living, and as did Reaganomics, I suppose is the name for it in, in the US. And um, really, me and what I was doing with the Smiths, and um, and a whole bunch of the British bands, The Cure, New Order, I guess Depeche Mode, on and on. You know, without you know having to stand on the soapbox and be preachy or even be overtly political, it was understood really that there was a there was a common enemy that we felt that like we were being squeezed out by. And that kind of poor folks for being kind of squeezed out by and um, music fans. So just the act of being in a band felt almost like a, a position, you know, taking a position. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm known for coming from that period and, um, And I guess people who are interested in me or followed me over the years can kind of guess how I feel about certain things and certain people who are on the political scene. So I find that I'm being asked kind of a a lot about that. But to answer your question, yeah, I think it is starting to feel a little bit like the squeezy's on. And there are people uh, who are controlling our lives and who are very, very big in our lives who uh, remind you of uh, those other figures. You know, it feels like a similar kind of... uh, Similar issues, similar kind of struggles, similar kind of frustrations. But I do have to say that, <laughs> strangely enough, those people kind of almost did me a favor with my record because I so wanted to not have them in my songs. I, I kind of thought that my life as a musician and my life as a music fan can be about escaping those things. And that, let's let's call it rock music, if you like, can be... a uh, a pretty useful escape from those kind of concerns you know uh I, I always assume that my audience are people who are like me and who like music for the same reasons and you know a few songs into the record i thought hey yeah you know this is pretty cool I'm, I'm singing about escape here you know there's quite a few songs that are about different just getting away from it and with the exception of one song which is called bug which is directly influenced by the feeling of the the virus spreading through us. The virus that is a you know the right wing ideology. With the exception of that song, the record is is a musician escaping into his band and his life, his music, in, in music. And hopefully, I've I've made a record that when people listen to it can make them feel like they're escaping too. You know, I've, I've got no answers to to uh, what ails us, and uh, I, I I don't feel myself that I, I'm smart enough to have any kind of solutions. But uh, I think if I can make for a really interesting list and I'm doing my job, you know?
1: I mean, you can t- definitely get that. And I sort of had that written here, uh, escapism and, and inspiration, because I know one is to, you know, to kind of pull away from maybe the uglier stuff out there and then to kind of give that inspiration to make that better life. And I know that's, that's heard throughout this record. So... um
2: I'm good. Uh, yeah, I'm glad
1: you picked up on that. Yeah, and and I know there are a lot of you know singular issues that you could focus on uh, if you wanted to. Before the record came out, there was the priest, which I, I think I remember reading kind of hit on the homeless epidemic that that's happening yeah. out there. And I, I want to tie that in because you mentioned some of the other '80s bands that you came up with. Depeche Mode being one of those. A couple of years ago, you you covered "I Feel You." I hear that sound coming through a song like "The Priest," and I think it's a little bit in there in, in "New Dominoes" as well. Uh, I, I don't know if there was a direct influence in there for it's sort of just, you know, your time and era, you know, sh- proving itself and yeah. showing itself.
2: Well, you know, there's a very practical reason for that and that's that uh, my studio space is in a is in an old factory it's, it's on the, the top floor of a uh, an old factory building on the outskirts of town and um, I think the environment feels very industrial, you know, and um that kind of seeps into it without a doubt uh, being high up there in this big industrial place uh, makes you feel a certain way and 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 i like that kind of music anyway it's it, to me it's uh, when those bands were starting out uh in, when we were all starting out in the early 80s it, it was quite exciting to take the technology of the drum machines and kind of mess with them a little bit i think that felt very forward looking to me and um i the songs you mentioned um the priest and new dominions and and there's a couple of booms on the record were a direct result of me following that process where i took a drum machine and i put it through a bunch of guitar pedals and with echo on and lots of reverb and made this big big kind of uh, industrial kind of noise and um i thought oh yeah that's a kind of cool cool atmosphere that i've settled there isn't necessarily me taking a song into my band and playing it on a, on a guitar and singing it and saying this is the way the song goes, that's so I'll join in, it's very, it's that kind of industrial process, so uh, I like that it still feels it, it, it feels much more musical and creative than pushing a mouse around on a computer screen and pulling down a bunch of menus, you can design a similar kind of effect and there are plenty of great electronic programmers out there who, who can follow that process, but You know, I'm I'm from the kind of original days where it's fun to take a drum machine and and put it through a a bunch of guitar amps and try and get a performance out of it and and then build a song on top of that, which is what I did with a few of the numbers. And uh, then then me and the band then have to to learn how to play that. And uh, that, that still feels strangely futuristic to me and uh, it creates a kind of sound that those machines create is is, uh sort of strangely soulful in a very cold cold way you know
1: right i I think that's made it sound a bit more i don't know if that's the right phrasing but i I think it's this one's a more british album a british sounding album than than the previous two solo records were it's sort of what i imagine with those factories with those darker tones with those minor keys you know this one feels like a more british record than in the last two. I don't know if you hear it that way as well.
2: Uh, you know, I, I hadn't actually thought of that um, before. It's interesting. I think I think it's a more dramatic record and I think, you know, what you're talking about, the Songs are some of the songs are a little longer and um, a little more, yeah, emo, emotive and dramatic. I followed my feelings going into this record, which you might, it may sound a little obvious, but uh, because I, I'd, I'd, in 2016, I'd written the sort of biography Set the Boy Free and then, Uh, I took nine months making that. And then when that came out immediately, I I then um, promoted that, which took me to the start of last year. I was out promoting that book uh, on a book tour. And then when all of that writing about my childhood and my life and the band had been in and, you know, write, literally writing the life story was done, and then I had to go and explain my life story. It was all very much a process of looking back and analysing and theorising and explaining. I I was really, really needed to get in the studio and make some music, either with my band or on my own, and you know, I, I had this new factory space, and it was like a, that's what I mean about being led by my emotions. I, I didn't have time to, you know, kick back and go and sit on a beach somewhere or do some shows and, and conceptualize the next record too much, uh, read really get my themes together. I just wanted to make music. So I would go in the studio and, uh, as I say, plug in machines or plug in my guitar, and I was just led by my feeling that I didn't have any concept. And I think because I'd been through a period of introspection with the book and um, I was in this space, I think that led for it to be a more, um, I would say more honest, but a more um, personal some of the songs are more personal. Let's put it this way on the first two records, I definitely had an agenda to not play anything longer than four minutes or four minutes ten. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted the songs to be very much daytime music, what I call outside music. So I wanted the first two solo records to sound good in people's earphones when they're on the way to work or on the way to college or on the way to the gym or on the way back from school. Very much about the daytime. Uh, And have that daytime energy, whereas Paul the Comet is a little darker, as you as you mentioned. There's more more minor keys and um, more feelings of yeah, exploring my my sort of emotions a little bit more. This tractor does that, I think. And definitely the song "Walking to the Sea." That's a song that I I think could only have been made once I got the first two solo records out of the way. I think
1: Uh, it's a beautiful record and. Now, I know you're taking it on tour and you're going to be playing songs from your entire career. Uh, I, I know that probably means some songs from the Smiths. But does that also mean, do, do you play songs that you did with Modest Mouse and The The when, when, when you do the live shows?
2: You know, I don't. Um, I think, one, oh, uh no, I don't. I do with Electronic, uh, the band I had in the 90s with Bernard Sumner mm-hmm. from New Order. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... That's because both The The and Muddy Mouse are actually out touring those songs now. So uh, I don't know. I felt like it might be a little different in The The, but in Muddy Mouse I definitely felt like I was uh, guesting in that band. And it's Isaac Brock's band. Uh, I think, you know, he put, Isaac had already put an awful lot of his life into his band before I joined the band. So uh, I don't know. Maybe I'd do a crazy encore one night when I maybe do a, a, a song that I'd written with those band with that, that band or something. But I don't know. It, it, it's, the Smiths was different because I formed that band and electronic. I formed that band too. So uh, those songs, those bands felt a little bit more like um, you know I created them from scratch. So I think maybe subconsciously that's why I do that. You know, but yeah, you know, I've got a kind of kind of a big long repertoire of. Things that I've done with a lot of different musicians that maybe I could inbe- investigate one way or other. Um, the important thing is that my band have to make them sound like like my band. I, I you know, I'm not trying to make it sound necessarily like The uh, Smiths or electronic. We, we have our own kind of. Uh, we put our own feelings into it. I think.
1: You know, now that you're really into the solo career, you know, now we're album three. Now this is really, really real do Do you think your days of joining bands, and I'm not talking about collaborations, but you know, like you've done with yeah. modest Mouse and that it, do you think that's in the past, and this is this is now what we've what we're we getting?
2: Yeah, I do to be honest carl because this feels very much like my day job um running the band fronting the band that is uh, <laughs> gives you plenty to plenty of work to do and plenty to think about, and it gives me a lot of outlet as well, you know, so any free time that I may have in the future. I I like to be taken up by looking for for, uh, uh, inspiration for songs, song titles, concepts of songs, a a lot of reading, a lot of watching films and uh, with my antenna, the things that I can sing. So I I think, yeah, this definitely is my, my main thing. I don't, I don't really see myself joining the group. If I would if I had wanted to be in another group, I would have joined the reformed there, I think, because Mm -hmm. that was a, a proposition, you know, or, um, you know, it's a scenario that maybe could have happened. And, and, you know, I have a real brotherhood with that band. I played on the, the comeback song, which is a beautiful song called uh, We Can't Stop What's Coming. I, did, I really was happy to do that. And as anyone who's read my book or followed me over the years knows, you know, that really I was a potential member of the, the before the Smith season. And, um, you know, so to have, what, 35 years later, um, to have played on the the, the comeback single was a, felt felt really right to me but that band had gone out on tour now and um, I ended up recommending uh, one of my friends to take my place simply because I have a solo career and uh, and a, a big organization that I have, to, uh, I have to kind of steer you know and that's, that's nice that's a good thing I feel good about it creatively and personally The uh,
1: the the other the, a couple other things I'll hit here though um, collaborations with Hans Zimmer have been really fun are there more of those planned?
2: Hans and I have always got the, the door open uh, either me working on movies, because I, I keep threatening to drag him into the studio to work on my record. Um, super so busy, but yeah, I've done a few movies with Hans now. I, I got very spoilt that the first one was Inception, which, you know, won a bunch of uh, Oscars and was a, a really beautiful experience. And you know, in a way, I'm very proud that that brought guitars back into film music because before that, guitars, believe it or not, had been a real no-no in, in certainly in big kind of Hollywood movies. So we, we kind of scored a little bit of a, a, a goal there for, uh, for guitars, you know, um, and I, did, I was involved with the Spider-Man movie and we did a Julianne Moore film called Freehold and um, there's a couple of other things that I pop up on, uncredited on, on those those movies. So I'm always around with Hans, you know, my son plays in, he's working on a, a film with him now and plays in his orchestra. So. Hans and I like family, so you, you can't really get away from that. So I think that's an exciting thing. I, I think I'll be doing more of that. Uh,
1: and, and the last, uh, you know, we did get the, the Queen box set uh, last year. Do you think there's more of those? Because that one sort of came out of nowhere. That was a big surprise for Smiths fans, too. Do, do you think you're going to do more of those uh, album box sets?
2: Well, I'd like for that to happen. Really, the, the short answer is that um, we could do that with every record. And I have to... Uh, if the politics allow, I have to give Warner Brothers all the credit there because um, they did a really great job of it. They, they respected the legacy. They respected my wishes. I was involved quite closely in putting that together with them. And they respected the fans, I think, by putting out something that was classy. And uh, they, did, they did it well. So that, that was great. You know, Credit where it's due, I think. I've, been, I've always made sure I keep my eye on those things. There was a period in the 90s when uh, I wasn't really very pleased with the sound of, of, of what was going out of the Smiths records. So I didn't like the way they'd been mastered. And again, you know, the record the, the company listened to my complaints and um, let me go back and take all of the stuff they put on, those 90s records. And uh, they're, they're now out there sounding really good, I have to say. So, so yeah, there's... Uh, there's, there's some good things uh i think valid things that are part of all of Smiths records. um not a ton of stuff but they could do a decent job putting out i think pretty much all the official albums anyway strange ways and meets murder in the first record. So if uh, if they if they're allowed to do that um without too many politics then i'll I'll get involved in, and do my bit, you know.
1: And those politics uh, i i do want to ask though when you've got an ex-bandmate, as you do, who says a lot of big, outlandish things in the press, do you ever worry that that takes away from the legacy
2: of the Smiths? I, I don't really worry about <laughs> Don't worry about very much, to be honest with you, these days. Um, I, I don't really think you can change people's relationship with songs, and uh, the songs are what they are, and the band was what it was, and the band stood for what it stood for. We're always very different people, and um, I think most people know that, so... You know, those those things are kind of out of my control. I tend not to worry about things that are out of my control, just to see what happens, yeah. You know?
1: Well, so far so good. I mean, um the love for the Smiths hasn't <laughs> ended. <laughs> Nor has uh the, the rest of it. And again, I don't want to end on that note right there, but uh I, I have been such a fan of these uh this uh now trilogy of solo records. Uh, and I look forward to keep yeah. hearing what you're doing and especially with the uh, the rest of Call the Comet that's on the way. So I thank you thank for you the music, much. yeah, and for the conversation, Johnny.
2: You know, it's all a privilege. You know, thanks very much, man. I'm, I'm glad these people so far away who get what I'm doing. That's very gratifying. Yeah,
1: we'll keep listening. All right, thanks for calling,
2: thanks, Kyle. All right, man. Bye now.
1: All right, take care. Bye. Thanks so much to Johnny Marr for giving me the call. The new solo record is called Call the Comets. Don't forget you can subscribe to Consequence of Sounds' YouTube channel to keep up with your favorite artists and interviews, as well as the uh, the podcast folks over at iTunes and Podchaser. They would love for you to give this little series a rating and a review. I would love for that as well. Then you can head over to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show every Monday through Thursday from noon to 3 Eastern. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network.